Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. We are back on, I think, a day of good news for the Annapolis Colts. Much needed, that goes without saying. Um, A lot of a liquor cabinet, I think, has been used uh, for Colts Nation here over the past few days. I actually... um, I don't know if we have it on Twitter questions. Did I include the guy that asked about my Venmo or yes. PayPal? Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of us maybe need a little bit of extra money right now for uh, what the past week has been like. But um, I'm glad that we are coming at you on Wednesday, April 4th, after what I thought was the best offensive practice day that we've seen. Oh, Kevin, I'm going to stop you. Quite you some said, time. You said April 4th. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> I, I feel like it's been April Fool's Day, so I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's – that's been in, in my brain. August 4th. Thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, August 4th, an off day for the Colts coming uh, tomorrow. And uh, about halfway through, a little bit short of halfway through. But Kevin Bowen back in studio. Chris Presley across the way. He was out at Colts camp today. And, um, yeah, we're going to get in a lot of Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Some Quint- Quentin Nelson stuff, of course. Right. Didn't feel like an emergency pod was needed, but we'll address that and then you know, I, I do want to get into camp takeaways as always. If you if you missed Monday's podcast, that was kind of the heavy Carson Wentz one, the emergency pod. So please check that out. Um, but Chris, what do you think? First, well, welcome back. Hope Austin treated you well. And uh, what do you think of Grant Park? Well, one, I almost I couldn't get out of Austin. Oh, my shit, my yeah. flight got canceled numerous times. I almost uh, texted Sam Ellinger to see like <laughs> if he had some family friends that could house me for a night or two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, good to be back. Grand Park continues to impress me. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, and we'll get into it on Twitter questions, you know, there's a lot of slander with the turf and, and this, that, and the other. Such a great facility, such a great Colts community for the kids who want to go out there, either if they're off school or taking a day before school. And it was, I'm rejuvenated. Yeah. Like seeing the guys again, <laughs> I like have a burst of energy. And it was just so fun to see all the players back out there with the pads, seeing all the media people shaking hands. And a lot of, a lot of podcast listeners out there, by the way. Yeah. They're, and they're going to uh, come to beers with Bowen. I already talked to him. Right. Uh, well, I, I love hearing that, that. There have been a lot of people that have kind of yelled down to me um, on, on the practice field. So appreciate for that. And as Chris said, beers with Bowen, I'm officially on the calendar. I mentioned this a little bit a couple pods ago. But um, September 8th, that is a Wednesday night. Glad I said September, not April there. Um, <laughs> September 8th is a Wednesday night. Obviously, that leads right into the season opener mm-hmm. at Lucas Oil Stadium against Seattle. Shout out to Bullseye Event Group. They are sponsoring Beers with Bowen. That is where this is going to take place. So um, I know some of you have been there for mm-hmm. their incredible tailgates, the Colts VIP tailgates that they do before each game. JMV uh, is going to broadcast there live on Wednesday. And this will be really nice food and drink yep. um, for everybody that uh, – that, attends and then they will be giving away one of their grand I think golden tickets is what they call it um, to all of their tailgates throughout the year which is um, just a huge huge package to their Colts VIP tickets so or excuse me Colts VIP tailgate so really really happy and thankful for them for uh, jumping on board with that and you guys have probably seen their sponsor and some other content our YouTube videos some on-air segments as well here during camp but uh really looking forward to that and it's over a month, just barely right. a month, uh, over a month away. So uh, before you know it, that uh, that Seattle game is going to be here. Yeah, and got off the phone with them just before we recorded. We're also going to give away a pair of tickets to the first home opener. Let's that, go that day. So let's go. I love that. So hopefully everybody can come out. Um, I I know I I'm hoping the time is six thirty. I've been talking a little bit with some people here. Um, I think six thirty be good. Just J and V show ends at six. And then uh, for people that are there for that show, and, and obviously people that work downtown and want to hang on. Um, it'll be a great time. And so uh, come on out. Right by Lucas Oil Stadium yep. is where um, the Bullseye Event Center is. And uh, we will make sure to not only give away some great prizes, but uh, hopefully give some good Colts insight as well. With those first tickets that those people are going to win, who's going to be under center? Oh, boy. You went there. We got to talk about – I mean, we got to go Carson Wentz, right? I saw the odds earlier. Um, I believe minus 130, I thought, was Jacob Eason. Okay. Did I see that right? 
Um, let me actually pull those up before we uh, before we hit on those. You know, Vegas obviously has odds for everything, <laughs> and uh, with the Nick Foles stuff right. and the Philip Rivers stuff, which um, I do think we'll hit on. Yeah, minus one thirty, Mister Eason, plus two fifty, Nick Foles, plus three fifty, Philip. How about it? Shout out to Brett Hundley, plus six fifty, and Sam Ellinger as well, plus six fifty there. So, uh, gotta love Vegas. Uh, but let's start with Wentz. Uh, obviously, again, we talked a lot about it on Monday. Um, surgery successful. I, I've never heard of a team saying an unsuccessful surgery, but you know we should probably note that. A little bit of info on the doctor because I think he's gotten a whole lot of run here. Um, the four o'clock surgeries. I don't know if he plays golf in the morning and just you know blocks off four o'clock for the Colts, but uh, I don't believe he had to do anything today at four o'clock. But uh, David Porter here locally, Methodist Sports. He. Um, Ironically, I, and I didn't realize this, but did a was a huge factor in the Colts drafting Bob Sanders back in the mid two thousands, okay, um, early two thousands, I guess two thousand three, four, somewhere right around then. But basically, Bob had injury history, which you know we know, um, coming out of Iowa, and a lot of teams red flagged him medically. And David Porter was like, "No, you get him here, I'll do the surgery, and you're going to have a player that can play in this league." And clearly, Bob longevity wise. No, but um, when he was healthy, holy shit. I mean, yeah, yeah his, was, his impact was. Yeah, a huge reason why this team won a Super Bowl and was as potent as they were. And menacing probably is the better word to use defensively. Um, I believe he also did uh, one of my favorite NBA players, a foot uh, surgery on Zadrunas Ogaskis, <laughs> one of the great Cavs of all time. I believe LeBron's second best player on one of those Cavs team. Either I him thought you were going to say Troy Murphy. Booby Gibson. I do love Troy. Bur- uh, Ryan Bowen loves Troy Murphy more than him. He wrote Red <laughs> Rum because Troy Murphy did that on his shoes. Uh, back in the day, I don't know what Ryan was competing in athletically that he felt the need. Hopefully not golf. That's quite the <laughs> quite the intimidating thing to do. I don't. That would probably backfire. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's just a little bit of, I don't know, if people care about that or not, but whatever. Um where I'm at with Wentz and, you know, the whole debate of five weeks, 12 weeks, where's he going to fall in that time frame? What, again, is worrisome to me is, like, if you push the five, six weeks sort of thing, um, you're still talking about a guy that has not practiced, uh, 23, 11-on-11 11 reps, uh, all he has taken so far. And, like, is he back, Chris, or is he back? You know, we're talking lowercase back or all caps back. Like, that's where I'm at, it's, yes, there's a pain threshold, which I get it, and, like, players play through pain. But to me, it's not so much of, like, dude, you've got, you know, just kind of a a sprained ankle. I don't even know if sprained ankle is the right word. But, like, there are some injuries where it's just purely pain threshold. Can you, and and it doesn't show up in your play. This could show up in his play because if he's got an immense amount of pain in that left foot, we all have had different injuries in our lives. Of course, none of us have been in the NFL, but you start to compensate. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got a little pain here, so now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm favoring my my right foot a little bit more, and and now my drop back might not be as firm with that left plant foot. Like those are some of the things that I'm obviously curious about and would concern me um, about rushing that time frame on the five weeker. Um, I think that something, at least a question I've gotten a whole lot is how did the Colts not realize this and a trade physical um, now I think for our local audience we're certainly plugged into what happened with Karis LeVert and being traded from the Brooklyn Nets to where Karis LeVert has a Brooklyn Net you know entrance physical to start mm-hmm. the year last year for Brooklyn they don't discover um, a mass in his kidney uh, I, th- I think it was kidney uh, yeah mass in his kidney and then all of a sudden he gets traded here to the Pacers and they discover it and he has to get that removed now who knows maybe the mass grew more in those kind of two or three months in there um, I asked Frank Reich the question earlier today, just how much did your did Carson's injury history, was that debated between you and Chris Ballard in that you know trade process, thought that, and Frank, while admitting he's biased, basically said that it wasn't too concerning. You look at the games missed for Carson Wentz, not a massive number, like 12 games in five years. I mean, that's it's a number. Um, now, obviously, when you tear your ACL in December versus you know, September, that, that's going to skew it a little yeah. bit. But I do think we should note, we're talking about a guy that since his days at North Dakota State has had six or seven multi-game injuries that have taken him off the field. We're talking a wrist, 
We're talking broken ribs. Um, I believe we're talking some back issues as well, a torn ACL. You know, Frank used the term dinged up today. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't know if I'm calling that dinged up. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the concussion in the playoff game, that took him out early in that game, and then now here you have this foot. Um, so my – and basically – when NFL teams make trades for players, it's not necessarily like you do a full-body MRI. That's just not typically how things go. I think that's kind of a league-wide thing. My thought is this. If I'm trading for a franchise quarterback and I'm giving up that draft capital and I'm paying him that amount of money and he has that injury history, I'm doing more. Mm-hmm. I'm doing more than I do for, and I can say this because you know he is one of my good friends. Uh, I should probably say friends. I don't know if we're great friends anymore. Um but a guy like Jack Doyle, you know, when he gets claimed, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, hey, uh, all right, Jack, okay, good. Uh, is the temperature okay? You know, right, like right. height and weight. And, and that's just the reality of a guy on the back end of the roster versus a guy that you're giving up these massive resources for. And, you know, when you're drafting a guy like Bob Sanders and he's a second-round pick, like you want to make sure that you're all in on that. Uh, whereas, you know, a guy in the seventh round, you might be more willing to take a risk. Um, now, obviously, could they have discovered this particular foot? It's not like Carson had foot issues. But for me, knowing how much footwork means for that position, especially a guy that struggled last season, you got to rebuild fundamentals. We know he likes to make plays on the perimeter, all that stuff. I don't know. Hindsight, of course, is super 2020. But I, I probably would have looked into that a little bit more there. So, um, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not ripping the Colts for not having the proper backup. I've said I'd roll with Jacob Eason, and I'll kind of give some reasons why throughout this podcast. But, um, yeah, those are my thoughts, kind of Wentz-related. Wince, and, of course, we won't know mm-hmm. for another couple of weeks just where he's at rehab-wise and going from there. Yeah, that 5-12, to 12, which we'll get to later in Twitter questions, it's, it's, it's a lot of up in the air right now. And let's talk about the man, the myth, and the legend from Notre Dame, Quentin Nelson, on the left side who was supposed to protect Carson Wentz this season. And his tweet today, he's, hey, no pity. But he's apparently going through the same injury, and it is just super ironic that this is happening to your starting quarterback and the guard who's probably going to get paid, you would think, the most money in NFL history. You know, I was talking to a Colts employee today, and they literally showed me a picture of this person saging the fields at Grand Park yesterday. (laughs) Kyrie Irving just <laughs> I shit you not I mean literally showed me a picture of like and like they were saying the sprinklers were coming on and they felt like I was baptizing it even more I'm like holy shit I mean I don't know Frank Reich pretty religious you know Carson I don't know maybe they would they would appreciate that um but yeah this is where we're at you know um when I see the Nelson injury this injury kind of adds to like why I'm saying uh, I'd probably throw Eason in there and I know this is a mindset that like when you're a coach you got to sit there and be like hey one-game seasons, here we go, let's go, all in, blah, blah, blah. I'd probably come at it, I'd certainly come at it from a much different view. Um, and I also think a reason why I'd side with Easton, when you look at this gauntlet, it's like what really stings about the Nelson injury, what really stings about this Wentz injury, is not only what you have in those first five games, you also got Tennessee mm-hmm. right there, week three, your first road game of the year. Then you see them again at the end of October. Now, I think we expect both. Carson and Quentin to be back. That would be the end of of the time frame, five to twelve weeks. But man, that you know, that's that's something that kind of adds to it. I mean, there's been years where you haven't played Houston until December. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you didn't get that luck with your schedule. Um, I know Quentin mentioned it in the Instagram post, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. He had a couple of off season procedures um, back. I'm trying to think of when I first heard about that. I'm gonna guess May, April, May ish is kind of when I when I first heard about that. Okay. So I don't think these were like recently. Uh, but I guess my question again is just you know did those off season surgeries impact this injury now flaring up? Mm-hmm. Because like you look at Nelson, the dude's played 3,700 snaps in the NFL, 3,600 snaps in the NFL. I mean, holy shit, Carson Wentz has played you know four or five thousand. I have no idea how many snaps he's played, but like. How in the world do these happen on back-to-back days? And I'm speaking for everybody <laughs> in Colts Nation. And, like, even for me, I just walked to my car last night thinking, what in the what? Gosh, do I need to wear, like, you know, <laughs> boots to, to practice yesterday? Today, I'm like, gosh, a little bit nervous here. Um, so, 
I asked Frank, I guess it would have been a couple days ago now, about the aggravation. Like, if you rush these guys back, what about aggravating? He made it very clear that that's not part of it. They really okay. feel good about that. So I think that's a bit of positive news yeah, that as is well. Good. You know, speed guys, I think it takes them a little bit longer. Now, obviously, and I feel this way about the Pacers last year when Mar- when uh, Miles Turner dealt with the foot issues, big men and foot, you know, it's just... That's what I was going to ask you. With Nelson being a bigger guy, does yeah. it linger a little longer? Right. I mean, do you hire Rex Ryan to help you massage you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the feet of these two guys? I mean, that, I think that's a fair question. Could be a question <laughs> for Frank here in, in the coming days. But um, Chris Reed, who I, I feel like he used to play basketball around central Indiana, but he is the left guard right now. Um, now, he started 14 games for the Panthers last year. Started, I think, each. I think he's been in the league five years. Started every season, some capacity, not really full-time starter. But, like, that's a resume. And um, we'll see. Obviously, Aaron Donald week two. Jeffrey Simmons week three. Yeah. Not ideal. Now, when I hear pain threshold, I think to myself, oh, boy. I think Big Q will be ready to go. Um, and I guess lastly, Chris, unless you have anything to add on this before we get to camp takeaways. Look at five weeks. And again, look at your schedule. So August 3rd was when Nelson had surgery. Five weeks would be September 7th. That is a Tuesday, the day before Beers with Bowen. That leaves three practices, 8th, 9th, and 10th for Quentin Nelson before the Seahawks. Now, I tend to think Quentin Nelson could play with three practices, whereas Carson Wentz, I'd be a little bit iffier on, if that's such a word. Uh, But I just think those are things to keep in mind of just like, when are these guys starting to put weight? When are these guys able to do anything on the field practice-wise? Um, again, we won't get answers on that stuff for a couple weeks now, but I think those are all fair things to uh, be curious about. And for the optimistic Colts fans, let's remember if you go back to previous Beers with Bowen or previous uh, Kevin's Corner podcast, we talked about the timetable between the last preseason game and the first regular season game, wondering if they were going to be rusty. Now you at least have a little bit more buffer time to get these guys back. So. Fair, fair. And, you know, Frank Reich, ever the optimist, said, you know, I'd rather this happen on you know, July 31st, August 1st, whatever, than, you know, you get midway through the season, things like that. I, I'm like, man, if they would have done more, and this is an NFL-wide issue, if they would have done more stuff in the spring, do we see this yeah. in the spring? You know, those are all just, again, crazy fluke stuff. Um, here we are, man. Uh, it's been a wild week, to say the least. Well, so far this week at camp, after Carson Wentz went down yesterday, not so great offensively. Today, a lot better. So far, what are your camp takeaways? Yeah, l- let's start with the two QBs that have gotten the most snaps. Let's start with Jacob Eason. I think people are ripping him like no other, and I frankly don't think it's been as catastrophic as people are making it seem. Um, look, it hasn't been great. Uh, I'm not going to act like this, this is a dude that should be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. But, like, what did people expect? He's literally practicing multiple days without three-fifths of his, of his offensive line. T.Y. and Jack Doyle have already taken separate rest days twice mm-hmm. and were you know, only seven practices into it. So, like, you know, to me, I, I haven't – I thought there would be ups and downs, and there have been certainly ups and downs. I thought today was important for him to bounce back from yesterday. You know, Scott Milanovich, I talked with him, and there's an article up on our website I encourage – Um, listeners to go check that out some great quotes from the QB coach I thought very candid on on each of these quarterbacks Wentz Eason and Ellinger Uh, but basically a key evaluation part right now for Eason is how do you bounce back and I think when you look at him they don't feel like he's wide-eyed they don't feel like it's oh boy what in the world is this I mean the dude did start as a true freshman at Georgia started for his hometown team I mean those are some some you know big big things that you do for a collegiate quarterback they really like that he's not making the same mistake twice, which I think is important as well. Um, now, what do I want to see more? His decision-making and the decisiveness with that decision-making, it's lacking. And I think that is something that has to improve. What worries me as well is you you know he's still wearing a red jersey, so what is that like? Yes, your O-line is getting their ass kicked more often than not by the D-line. Um, frankly, that's just personnel, in, in my opinion. But obviously, when, when you know what gets real – how does he handle that? Because I always felt like at Washington that you know when we did that film breakdown mm-hmm. last year, that was always kind of my big concern. If things are clean, uh, this is where I try to insert some rhyme about Jacob Eason being mean. But <laughs> have you ever heard the Mother's Day poem that I did for my mother for Mother's Day back in the day? No. 
Roses are red, violets are blue. I like the way you clean and you are not mean. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. All that rhymed. <laughs> I mean, how great is that? I thought it was the best Mother's Day, Mother's Day present of all time. So, I, to be fair, I think I was like third grade, not like last year. But, um, yeah. Um, what else? You know, I, today I felt like empty set stuff. He recognized Blitz. He got the ball out, made a couple big plays down the field. You, you got to utilize his arm. Like he's got to be aggressive, and I I don't I don't think he's been gun shy. I don't necessarily notice that. Yeah, so I was gonna ask. Today was my first day out there. Right. And you go to way more. I mean, I go maybe one to two practices a year. Yeah. Today there was a lot of checkdown stuff. Do they do that? Like, is there a certain day where it's today we're gonna do do a lot more underneath routes, a yeah. lot of checkdown? I, I honestly I just think that was no. I I don't think it's like hey we're working on checking the ball down. Um, obviously, the defense has a focus. The offense has has a focus. I think Jacob realized where blitzes were, got rid of the ball pretty quickly, and I think when you're an empty set, obviously no one is with you. Right. Um, you got to get the ball out a little bit quicker. I still thought he had a couple things vertically. Obviously, you know, especially last year with with Rivers. I mean, I couldn't remember any deep balls during training camp. So uh, now that's just part of maybe him as a QB. Uh, something to note as well, today was the first day the Colts have repeated installs with Eason. So by that, it's the first five or six days of camp. Throw the whole playbook in there. Mm-hmm. Everything is in there. And you got to think about it like this. When you get into a game week, Jacob Eason comes to Frank Reich and says, these are the plays I like. And Frank Reich says, okay, we'll formulate a game plan out of that. You know, right now, it's throwing everything at the wall and see what sticks. Like, again, this is Eason's first time with right. these starters here. So, you know, I'm not going to make any sort of grand statements on Jacob Eason until I see the Panthers come in here, until I see Lucas Oil with the Panthers. I mean, Frank Reich said it yesterday to Pat Pat McAfee. Like, Eason will probably play a half. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge amount in that first preseason game. I and mean, you know what I say? Let's go. You know, I, I love it. I'd say, hey, why not two halves? No, I, I mean, I get it. you got to throw other guys in there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that is kind of where we're at right now with Eason. Um, Ellinger, boy, uh, these last two days have been really good. Really good. I just feel like um, the more NFL practices I watch, this is my 11th training camp, the more I can kind of, I feel like I can feel, and this is going to sound like I'm saging my house or something, (laughs) I can feel guys' presence. The presence, yeah. I can feel it with Ellinger. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds weird. But, like, I don't know. They're just, there's something about them that you're just kind of like, hey, I wouldn't mind following that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, love the poise, love the command. I, I probably took that for granted in evaluating him a little bit more. Now, the arm won't wow you, and it, there are, it's, it's not perfect with him, but the last two days have been strong. And, um, you know, Frank had a really good quote. Today's notebook, the Wednesday notebook up on the website. Um, Frank Reich, which I always appreciate this, how Frank is so candid and, and just does a great job describing what he likes in his offensive players, what he you know doesn't like, you know things like that, what they need to work on. With Ellinger, he finds the simple play mm-hmm. early. That's so critical for a quarterback. Um, there is actually, let me see if I can find this. Okay, yeah, the, this right quote about kind of the strengths of Eason versus Ellinger. Um. So the, he he starts off with Ellinger. He's just very good at it. How do I simplify this to make the play that I know I can make? He has a good knack of that. Jacob, on the other hand, we want him to do that same thing, but Jacob has that upside. When you have that kind of arm talent, there are certain things that you can do with that kind of arm talent that money can't buy. But you have to be able to execute good enough, consistent enough, to give yourself the opportunity for those big plays to show down the field. I mean, you'd love to marry the two. You know, that's, yeah, right. that, that, that's I think, is what what you hear with that for sure. Um, but I, I, I like what I've seen with Ellinger. Now, again, it should be noted that he's working with the second unit and hasn't taken any first-team reps, and you obviously want to see more. Um, and, like, I kind of expected – now, again, looking back on this, I probably expected things to be relatively smooth for Ellinger because he did play so much in college. Right. His gift is very strong mental capacity, all of that. Obviously, Eason, that's, those aren't really his strengths. So, like, 
basically, if you go out there to Grand Park, especially yesterday, you would have said, what in the world is Eason doing, largely? And you would have said, why isn't Sam Ellinger getting more snaps? But, like, if you're going to get the whole potential meter, the meter's higher for Eason than it is for Ellinger. Um, so, yeah, I, I know on Monday's podcast I quickly wrote off Sam Ellinger as the week one starter. I still, I'd be very surprised if that happened. Um, but since that day, he's had a couple of really nice practices in there. Yeah. So. I was impressed with his uh, pocket mobility today. Yeah, yeah, he can move. I mean, he's not four four, but like you see how he was an effective runner. I think he senses things mm-hmm. really well. Um, I do want to mention it, it's it's just a, it's very hard to evaluate properly right now. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before on a podcast. Like what Quiddy Pay does to Sam Tevy is, yeah. I mean, I you're waiting for the Westfield Police to to, <laughs> to show up and, and and have a word with with, with Mister Pay. But I go back to the start of yesterday's practice, and Chris, as I said earlier, 11 years of watching NFL training camps, the Colts starting offense begins practice with fumbled exchange, fumbled exchange, fumbled exchange. The first three plays. I mean, it's the worst three-play stretch, I think, in the history of NFL training camps, but I haven't seen them all. It's the worst three-play stretch. This is starting offense. And like Joey Hunt, and Jacob Eason, those guys work together. It's not like Joey Hunt just came off the street. And I'm like, and I, I, I sense like coaches were like afraid to say anything. They're just in utter shock. And I'm like rubbing my eyes, like, wow, did I just see that right? Like, I, I don't think I did. I, I'm like looking around, being like, did you? And like, how do you even evaluate Eason at right. at that same point? Like, and who knows who the Muffs exchanges are? Like, how do you evaluate Jonathan Taylor? You know, w- w- with that happening, that is what makes it difficult. Is like the D line consistently is really, I think, having their way with the offensive line. Now, full pads have only been on for two days, but like, you know, what does that mean? That's I think where it's just difficult right now. Um, I've liked what Pay has shown, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigu. The D line's also been by far the healthiest unit throughout camp. You know, Bobby Okereke, I think, has had some good, really good moments getting his hand on balls and stuff like that. How's Rock been? I thought Rock had a good start to camp. Uh, not as much, but I think not as much, like, good or bad lately. Just kind of haven't really noticed him, which is fine. Um, obviously, we'll see when Xavier Rhodes gets back. And I, I know the defense without Rhodes, I think Darius Leonard's pretty close. I think he is, too. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see about that. And I guess just kind of my last camp takeaway, because I think we'll get to some of these in the questions. And obviously, if you've got anything, Chris, Feel free to chime in. But, um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Stud. And I get it. It's full pads. You're not being tackled to the ground. He, but he is a total stud. And I thought Kari Wills. He ran t- one of the first plays uh, of the offensive set today. Ran to the left side, which right now is the banged up side. Right. Still, it was like a 23-yard run. <laughs> you know, it's... And was going to plow over the safety. Right. Like... <laughs> and I think two things. First, a couple of big runs of the starting offense. Some kudos to Jacob Eason. I don't know if he's flat out making those run checks, but he clearly saw favorable numbers, Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of what the Colts do offensively. Secondly, Kari Willis made a great point today. When you're a defender, you know he weighs 230, and that's what you're thinking about, but you forget how quick he is in just those shorter areas. So if you sell out thinking, oh, boy, I really got to come up here with a form tackle, he can make you look silly. Yeah. Um, so Taylor, like we've talked about, you guys have heard me gush about him all off season long. Um, did we have a Mike Strawn question, Chris? I kind of forget. Or should we talk about him here? We don't, but I like the way he popped on the yeah. field today. Yeah. Just you can. He was noticeably different than the other receivers out there. Just not not taking anything away from Pittman and right. Hilton and Pascal right. or anything like that. But when you sit there and you look at number seventeen and he's towering above everyone. He can cut, he can make cuts, and he can run the long route. Yeah, and it's just different. The size will obviously jump out to everybody that comes up to Grand Park and sees him, and that's evident. I, just, I, I should describe this better, but like I just I kind of like how he carries himself, and I kind of like how he goes about his business. I like how he catches the football. You know, it doesn't look like he's trying really hard to catch the football, and we know the Colts have wanted this. Like they've wanted a big body, and mm-hmm. like Pittman is a bit like that, but Pittman, that'd be selling him short. I mean, he's a well-rounded guy. He can do a whole lot, you know, laterally, um, you know, certainly after the catch, things like that. 
Um, it, it's kind of like, okay, is this what Devin Funches was hoping to be? And right now, I mean, if I make a 53, I'd have Desmond Patman off, and I'd have Mike Strong on. Now, I know Patman, very recency biased. He had a couple drops today with Ellinger in that second unit. But I've noticed Strawn a lot more. Um, maybe not a ton in 11-on-11, but certainly in the one-on-ones, um, I've noticed some some good stuff from him. I thought, you know, okay, five, six wide out, you know, who wins those roles? they got to play special teams, got to play special teams. Maybe not. You know, Patman's a guy that certainly didn't play special teams last year, and you right. had him active for the – or you had him on your fifth year for the entire year. So um, I encourage everybody to please continue to read our uh, notebooks up on the website um, each day, you know, 15 – hell, today I felt like I had about 20. Just little, <laughs> little, little tidbits from practice and a lot more on kind of who's standing out and, and, and things like that. Yeah, and I know last last thing, I know Mo wasn't there to, in there today, but Kylan Granson. Yeah. Pretty good-looking – Rookie tight end. Yeah, definitely. And I just think it's it, – he just you kind of throw a little dump pass to him and he moves a little bit differently than than those other guys. So, obviously, Jack and Mo both are important for this football team, three down-wise, but Kylan Granson is going to play a role without a doubt. All right, so a lot of talk about with Wentz, Nelson, and obviously the Colts can't take away so far as we are entering into the preseason. But let's jump to Twitter questions. First with gliding cycle. When I simply think of the dollars and the cents of this, why wouldn't Philip Rivers do something like coming back to the Colts? Let's say it's $1 million a week to start. He can help out the group that he likes, and he's not looking for anything long-term when Carson Wentz is ready and get back to business. Do you think I'm crazy for thinking this? Um, Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, first, you know, I think we need to make sure that we are, like, reading what Philip Rivers said. I, I don't know how many people actually read Sam Farmer's article in the L.A. Times. Uh, he's coaching football right now, mm -hmm. and he made it clear that uh, December or January is what he keeps on saying about this. So, you know, to me, let's say you lose in the first round of the playoffs, and I don't know, I just don't think Phillip Rivers' team is going to be losing the first round of the playoffs. Not that I know anything about Alabama football, high school football. but uh, So that that's November the earliest. I mean, he gave it no indication that he wants to play right now. I mean, mm -hmm. he said it. He was like, I, trust me, I wouldn't have made weight if they asked me to play. So if Phil Rivers isn't making weight, you know, can he even move in the whole pocket? So, um, Well, could he ever move? Well, fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. And I know Gliding Cycle points out the money. Like, it's not about money for Phil Rivers. Sure, he's got 7,000 kids. But what this dude wants, and I know this is not what he wants, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Josh Allen tear your ACL in mid-November, boom. You know, insert your quarterback here. I don't know, Tom Brady, tear your, like, I don't know, crazy stuff. You know, that that is what he's thinking. Super Bowl. That, and that's what he's thinking. Um, you know, I also just, and I know this isn't necessarily the right thing to say or do, but, like, I, do, I just think the Colts need to make a commitment. Commitment according, you know, you got five different guys that you've started, that have started for you, Um since 2016 or, you know, hasn't been consecutive years with the same starting quarterback since Luck did it right. in 2015, 2016. Like, yeah, you just need some defensive nature. And obviously if Rivers comes back, like Rivers is not coming back to be, oh, four starts and then I'm good. <laughs> that ain't him. So, which I understand. Like, I get it. Philip Rivers is going to have demands as well. So, I don't. Sorry. Yeah, we're going to get to that with a question from Jason. Philip Rivers said, obviously, to be open to coming back this season. If the Colts don't bring him back, it proves you right about how it went down. If Carson Wentz is out more than a couple of weeks, would you want Rivers until then or see what Eason has in store? You know, Jason references this. I, going back to you know what I was hearing on the Rivers and the whole retirement, again, people from the Colts vehemently are adamant that Rivers didn't want to keep on playing football. Mm -hmm. Some people some people close to the Rivers camp said that, no, he wanted to, to keep on playing or was certainly open to that idea. So, again, I, I heard both sides of it back then. Um, I think where you're at here is, and I'll just read this Rivers quote, I want to make sure I'm very clear. I'm not predicting I will play in December or January for that matter. One, you've got to have somebody who wants you, and two, it's got to be right. Like Rivers not just – this dude is not on social media nonstop. He's not, you know – looking for a headline. I mean, when he says that, I want to make sure I'm very clear. That's That should tell people something. Yeah. Um, you know, if you are super uh, 
I'll say this to Jason. If you are super committed all in on 2021, like if, if, if you are Jim Irsay and you're Chris Bauer and you're Frank Reich and you say, guys, I don't give, I don't care about 2022 and beyond. We are all in. You would have traded for a quarterback right now. Like you would have made some move and given up a valuable draft pick resource um, and saying, all right, Gardner Minshew. All right, Nick Foles. All right, Marcus Mariota. Let's go. And giving them a full month to learn their personnel, mm-hmm. even if, you know, Carson, whatever, is, isn't is going to be out for, for that that long. Because you do have that su- such an important game in week three against the Titans. Um, look, I'm still Eason. I, I know that's not full-on 2021 commitment. Um, I want to see these next couple weeks play out. That's fair. All right. <laughs> I love this one from Salisbury. KB. Sean Salisbury? Yeah, maybe. We never you never know who listens to this I was podcast. Say, you never know. He comes on our airwaves. How much do you blame moving the camp from hard nosed blue collar city like Anderson to a frou 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 wine and cheese town like Westfield for these injuries? I think it's changed our mindset and now it's okay not to show up for work when you're hurt. Oh boy. Did we get a frou frou? A frou frou. I grew up next to apparently frou frou Westfield. You know, we've had a lot of podcasts. We're approaching 300. I don't know if we've ever uttered the phrase frou-frou. I've never read it. No, I, I don't know. Um, we are in Roundaboutville. I mean, we are. It's Hamilton County. I grew up in Hamilton County, so I, I can certainly say it. Um, yeah, well, they're they're sage in the field, Salisbury. I don't know if that helps you out. For what it's worth, uh, the fields look pristine to me. I'd love yeah. to hit a few iron shots off those fields. I, I got to tell you this, Chris, because I, I love hearing fans yell during practice. Uh, Wentz, Wentz had an overthrow, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday, one of those two days that he practiced. And um, the fan literally yells down in dead seriousness, or I think he may be yelling to his buddy, like, hey, it's okay, man. Michael Jordan didn't win every game. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, what? What are we doing here? You know, are, are, are we justifying a, an overthrow by Carson Wentz in a seven on seven? Like, it's. You know, the difference between a Super Bowl or not, like, God. It's just, every play is a Super every Bowl. Every play, man. Every darn play. Shout out to Anderson. I miss it. Uh, shout out to Rose Holman. Didn't, wasn't out there much. Was out there a little bit there. So, and shout out to Grand Park. Beautiful. When Beautiful. you would do those, would you travel every day or would you stay up there? Anderson stayed. Stayed in the dorms. Smith Hall. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stayed in the dorms. Uh, I want to say I was the second floor. to get coaches, first floor, other important staff people kind of in the basement and Peasantville was second floor. <laughs> yeah. Not a whole lot to do in Anderson. <laughs> it's from Angel. What do you think is more intriguing to Andrew Luck? To What do you think is what do you think is more intriguing to bring Andrew Luck out of retirement? A hefty GoFundMe or a nationally recognized book club? I'll get started on whichever you pick. <laughs> well, definitely. Definitely the recognized book club. I mean, you got to have a big, maybe like an architecture podcast. Yeah. Subscription. I don't know. Can you discover anything that... You know, does Frank Lloyd Wright have any offspring that you know, can start a podcast that um, don't know many architects besides Frankie? So um, I, I don't know what, where you could go there. In I don't know, Chris. We're, we're in their building right now. Indy 11 ownership. You that know, building's nice. Throwing out some ideas. Yeah, building is nice. Um, yeah, Angel, I did see he uh, had some quotes in Zach Kiefer's article on Peyton Manning. So, so far, his public events since he retired was – Congratulations, Jacoby Brissett, on being man of the year. I, I think that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, now congratulating Peyton Manning on going to the Hall of Fame. So if those are only his only two public appearances, oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to hear from that man. All right, here's the question you talked about earlier, Kevin, from Mike. Do you have a Venmo or a PayPal? Because seriously, I want to pay you for the work that you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do have a Venmo, Mike. If you can find it, please send me money. No, in all seriousness, <laughs> it's been wild. And I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, like, do you like this? And it's great for clicks, but what ultimately sells for six months is a good football team. Yeah. A really good football team. Right. So um, that's what ultimately sells. So, and, and I just hate the freakish stuff, you know? That just sucks. Right. Like, um, so thank you, Mike. Let's all let's all throw one back or two. I, I, I might have a drink, well, tonight. Is tomorrow an off day? Yeah, tonight, <laughs> certainly. From Preston, of the players who might be on the cusp of making the roster, such as Jordan Wilkins, Ben Banigou, et cetera, or maybe even Marlon Mack, who do you think will be likely to be most traded? 
where do you think they might be traded to, and who do you think the Colts get back from each team for said player? Cheers, and thanks for keeping everyone in the know. Well, thanks, Preston. I, You know, I hate to be a Debbie Down on this question, but the whole player for draft pick trade idea, I think, is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about the NFL. It's just you don't see it a whole I mean, Jordan Wilkins, he's your four-string running back. Like Ben Banigou, I, I I think he's going to play. Um, he's been good in camp, like, but I'm still not saying he's 100% locked to make the team. So I just don't know what you get. I mean, Marlon Mack, I, you know, maybe fourth, fifth rounder. I, that could that when I say that out loud, that seems super high even for a guy mm-hmm. coming off a of torn Achilles. But you just rarely see this. And I know you know Philip River or Philip Rivers, Philip Dorsett for Jacoby Brissett happened, but yeah, Preston, I just don't. You know, I guess the Colts, didn't they trade some dude to Miami for like a seventh-round pick? You know, maybe. But anything higher than like a sixth or seventh, be stunned. Yeah. Be stunned. It's more of a basketball thing. Yeah, it really is, I which mean, is weird. You know, it, it, it's weird to me. But, um, yeah. Next question comes from Andrew. So do you think the Colts will trade for Nick Foles in a couple weeks? Foles is essentially a third-string quarterback for the Bears, and I'm assuming they won't part with Andy Dalton, who they just signed him in the offseason. I know you're big on Jacob Eason starting, but I'm worried about wasting his season. If Carson Wentz misses the start of the season, Foles could come in, win one, maybe two games. Foles isn't spectacular by any means, but at least I know what we get with him. What are your thoughts there? You know, let's just for argument's sake kind of cut in the middle and say he misses eight to nine weeks. Um, That would be, what, four-ish games? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, are you saying 0-4 with Eason? Are you saying 2-2 two and two with Foles? I, I don't know. I feel like, is Nick Foles good? He's good at giving that pep talk. Did you see that press Boy, conference? That was Holy passionate. cow. That was passionate. He that was basically was... like, get me off of this team because right. I know I'm not going to play. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I get it. Him and Frank Reich had great success together. But, um, you know, if, if he's bad and the record is the same for a small sample size, like, it's just an awful waste. It's just such a waste. And then you have to acknowledge the whole elephant in the room about Carson. And you guys have heard me say this. If Carson Wentz is worried about Nick Foles, he shouldn't be my franchise quarterback. Like, that is my opinion, but that's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is Carson Wentz is there. So, yes. and he's not going anywhere. So, like, you have to address that. And, um, boy, that's, that's tough. And that might sound soft, but, again, it's the reality of, of where you're at right now. Um, I look at it and think to myself, again, these first five games, what were you going to go with with Wentz? What were you going to go with – would go with Foles? Um, what if the Bears are saying, hey, we're hanging on to him until the last day of preseason cuts and Andy Dalton gets hurt in the third preseason game? Mm-hmm. There goes that idea. So, you know, I don't – I just – you're watching New England. You're watching Denver. I, I kind of like the Minshew idea if you do go this route. I, I'm not a fan of going that route. If you do, I kind of like Minshew, younger – um, those are division, just, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, I um, – What a quarterback room Minshew and Carson once would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be. That would be. Um, yeah, I don't like it, man. I know. I, I, I'm i probably wrong, but I just don't like it. I just – I like potential. And I know that sometimes you probably do just have to try and hit a single, but – I don't even know if you're hitting a single there. Yeah. I don't. How many times? And we saw this in 2017. I mean, Jacoby comes in 10 days before the start of the season. He didn't even start. And, you know, there was obviously ups and downs with Jacoby when, when he got in there. Now, Foles got more experience and in this offense, but I just don't think it's a slam dunk. From Colts Maniac, this situation with Wentz sucks. Yes, it does. But I think this is a good chance for Jacob Eason to show out and let us know who and let us know what he has. Do you think this is the Colts' thought process, or will they try to find a win-now option? Not a lot of options out there. Thanks. Let me know. Enjoy the pod. Yeah, um, I think that's where we're at. You know, wait and see for the next couple weeks. Um, Two things. How does Carson Wentz rehab go? And we won't know this answer until the 20s of August, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe even later. And uh, how does Jake Beeson do? I mean, that preseason opener against Carolina, Boy, I this is going to sound super hyperbole. I can't tell you the last time the Colts have had a quarterback with more on the line in a preseason game. 
And, like, this is how Jacob Eason's got to go to bed at night. At least this is how I, I would go to bed. Oh, my God. If I take advantage of this and Carson Wentz misses a month and I look good. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. And then also, if I shit the bed <laughs> and it doesn't go well and they say whatever, um, you know, they trade for Minshew, Wentz comes back, now Eason's back of the third stringer, Sam Ellinger is super smart, and they say Ellinger, that, this could be it for Eason, which, again, these are two far ends of the spectrum. But, like, that would have to be some of my thought process. And, I mean, how do you not? You're a human being. How do you not think about it? And you're, you're a quarterback where you get life-changing money if you do show out. Life-changing money and oftentimes not life you don't. You aren't a cat. You don't have nine lives. Some of them do, but not a lot of them do. Um, does a cat have nine lives? Did I say that yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Jeez, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> um. So that's I think where we're at right now. Let these couple weeks play out. How does Eason develop? And I, I do think Frank is a big believer in like, hey, I'll get a game plan ready. Believe in me. And if he's going to be on the short end of that, you know, go from there. So, Kevin, does Jacob Eason, does Jacob Eason's more reps on the field potentially raise his trade stock if we want to go after a slightly more proven vet for Murderer's Row, as you were rattling off, rattling off at the end of last week? Would you endorse that strategy, or does that make us look silly for letting Jacoby walk? That's from Josh. Okay, give that to me again. Um, trade value for Eason? Yep. Oh, boy, that seems minimal. I, yeah, again, that kind of goes back to my player pick thing. Jacoby Walk, you know, he wanted to leave too. I, I, this is like Anthony Walker. There's yeah. a better opportunity to play and start in Miami. So I, I just don't think that's, that's a uh, fair statement. Next one comes from Jason. Giving these two options, which is more important to the Colts' ownership slash management? A- making the playoffs as a seventh seed and going against Kansas City on the road, or B, preserving a first-round pick and sending a second-rounder to Philadelphia instead? Boy, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I, I guess uh, I guess my first thought is if the Colts are the seventh seed, they're playing KC on the road. That means who's the one? Because the one seed's getting the bye. Are we going Buffalo? Buffalo, probably. Going Buffalo there? Kansas City as, as the two seed? You know, it, it's – Jason, it – it's making the playoffs. Right. Know, organizationally. You have to. Without a doubt. But, like, this is the other kind of element to all of this, certainly, is the whole 75% and whatnot there. But, uh, yeah, that is funny. So, Benji read your article um, for your four options. Said good work, by the way. Thank you. As usual. And you can check those out on 1075thefan.com. But what about some Sam Ellinger? Like you, I'd rather give Jacob Eason a shot. But if he's a disaster, maybe try Ellinger in a Tim Tebow style offense. It would not be as it would be dreadful to watch. It might, not, but it might snag a win or two before Wentz returns. I'd rather that than give up draft capital for a short term fix. Yeah, I mean they're not totally changing the offense just for that. I mean, sure you might have a few plays and packages in there um, for Ellinger in that role. Um, and look, flat out, no matter who your quarterback is to start the year, it's a heavy dose of twenty eight a heavier dose of 28, and the heaviest dose mm -hmm. of 28. And then your defense certainly has got to step up big time as well. The powers that be ask, it's 5 to 12 weeks. Is 5 to 12 weeks including the rehab time, or will rehab be a separate time? I'm confused on that. Yeah, 5 to 12 weeks from surgery. Um, now, like I was saying earlier, what about the practice time? What about the ramp-up periods? You know, Can he practice at all in late August? You know, like I was saying on Monday, I mean, 23 passes for Carson Wentz so far. Is 23 passes enough plus your three practices? Because once you get to the regular season, you're game planning in practice. Mm -hmm. Your rehab guys, they do stuff all on their own. Um, that, I think, is part of this that, you know, we're going to have to wait, wait and see on. This one comes from Patrick. Hey, Kevin, I feel like I'm in the majority of thinking that the Colts put themselves behind the eight ball by not letting rookie quarterback Jacob Eason last year get more reps in practice, and then letting Jacoby Brissett run the scout team, and then going out and getting, dare I say, an injury-prone quarterback like Carson Wentz. Am I overthinking, or should this have been seen in the distance by the Colts? Yeah, you know, I thought, well, 
I would have given Eason a little bit more run, honestly, last year during camp. I thought he split way too many third team reps. Um, and and I, I was just, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, you hate to say it, but I, every time Jalen Morton gets reps in practice, I'm kind of like, well, uh, yeah, what, you know, what are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, and trust me, I, I last year I acknowledged the pandemic and limited reps, and Jay and Philip and Philip needed them, and Jacoby needs some, of course, as that top backup. Um, but I would have given Eason a little bit more. And like I said, the injury prone Wentz thing. Boy, that's just such an important investment for your franchise. Again, I know hindsight looks really, really clear, but uh, I would have done a little bit more research on that. Kevin, John wants to know why everyone is higher on Eason than Ellinger when Ellinger has played more games and started in the last few seasons. Well, John, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's just that potential meter is higher. And to be fair to Eason, a lot of him – not playing, it was a little bit out of his control. I mean, he transferred. He got hurt at Georgia. I mean, you know, I I guess I can't recall when he's been beat out. I, I don't know, maybe Jake Fromm, quote-unquote, beat him out, but I think his injury kind of because of the injury, yeah, yeah. played into that. Um, and I think there is more of an NFL style to Eason, of course. Now, obviously, Ellinger can do th- some things with his legs, which I've mentioned. I also think Eason has done a little bit more with his legs than I than I thought he could do. He's not, not Phil Rivers at all. Uh, in terms of statue there. Uh, but, John, I think go back to that Frank Wright quote. I think that quote was really, really good about what Easton needs to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, like short-term versus long-term, you know, okay, maybe a little bit of, our, of an argument there. But, you know, at the same time, it's not like Sam Ellinger won three Heismans at Texas. Certainly. He started for four years at Texas. That's impressive. But, you know, Texas football ain't what it used to be either. So, um Hope we don't have any Hook'em fans that are listening to this because, boy, we just lost them. Yeah, I saw a thing yesterday on Twitter where they were questioning Texas about how much money they bring in and in, in, in like, Congress, like the Texas Congress. Oh, those were like, unbelievable. She said, uh, you're 3-7 and seven against the, the Horned Frogs of TCU. Yeah, so. one of the funniest <laughs> comments I've literally ever heard. That was awesome. All right, we're going to kind of stay there from John's question with a question from Colton. Who do you think has more upside between Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger? Because he knows that Eason – has bigger arm talent. Ellinger has way more of a mobile and upside with, with his legs. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely Eason. You know, Eason, um, Ellinger we know. We, we we know. There's a pretty defined ceiling there. It's it's fine. Um, Eason, you really haven't. I mean, we talked about it. Played the second few snaps of the quarterback that was drafted back in uh, um, 2020, I guess he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly part of it. Jordan wants to know if Ellinger has had any work with the ones. He hasn't seen much posted on him yet. Nope, none. Yeah, you know, and I, again, I, I didn't think it was possible. Um, there, there's been times where Morton has honestly gotten a few reps over him, and then now you're involving Hunley a little bit more. You know, I asked Scott Milanovic that last week. I still think we're a little bit away from Sam Ellinger one talk. You know, I really think it's big time to evaluate Eason right. in those reps. Right. All right, KJ wants to know, what is the Venn diagram of people saying Eason, Eason should should have a chance to start and those losing their shit now that Carson Wentz is hurt? You know, um, Chris, I'll kind of throw this to you. I, I would probably say 20 to 30% of fans want him to start. I don't know. Maybe that's low. I, I feel like I'm the only media person that's content with them starting. I'm fine with them starting. No, I'm, you are? I'm good yeah. with it. So you, would, you, would you say fans are more 50-50? Would you say fans are... Uh, f- from what I've seen, a lot of fans are, you know, let them go. Yeah. You know, let them play. This okay. is who we drafted. Maybe, maybe Let, it is. Let's yeah. go with it. You know, I think it's what do you want as a fan? What do you want as an organization? You know, those are two, I think, big, big questions that you have to decide. And that really, I think, plays into your answer. This next one comes from Mitchell. I know it's a long shot, but since he knows this offense and played this and played last year, would it be crazy if the Colts brought back Phillip Rivers for a couple of games if needed, if Carson Wentz's injury is serious? I know Phillip Rivers doesn't have the mobility like Carson Wentz does, but since this is a run-heavy offense, at least Phillip could get you through a couple weeks. Remember, you thought the Colts were going to re-sign Rivers. Thanks, KB. You know, Ballard likes, well, again, Rivers isn't coming back for a couple games. It's not. And, like, cap space-wise, do you even have the cap space? You know, I I feel like we've we kind of addressed that one already. 
From Daniel, hi, Kevin. Aside from the injury, what would you have happened or what would have to happen to Eddie Pinheiro to win the kicking job off of Hot Rod? Thanks, and keep up the great work. You have a big fan here in Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Let's go, Daniel. Thank down you for that. Down under. Yeah, down under. I, Daniel, I don't know if you watched any of the Olympics in, in golf, but Cameron Smith's mullet was absolutely incredible <laughs> there. So almost snuck his way into that bronze medal action there. Um, okay, kicking-wise, seven kicks. We saw four of them today, and both kickers are perfect seven for seven. So I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I think Eddie Pinheiro's got to, like, really, really supplant Hot Rod, you know, in the Colts' eyes. And, again, my very untrained kicking eye, it'll look like just a little bit more pop height out of Hot Rod versus Eddie. Okay. Um, similar, but, again, and maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit there, but that's just what I observed. So I left before that. How does the uh, kicking segment work? Um, it is, they actually did that super early. I, I don't know, maybe if you oh, maybe out I just there wasn't yet. out there yeah, yet. Today was really early in camp. They just go 11 on 11. Obviously, it's not full speed. Um, but Rhodes to Sanchez to Hot Rod, and he goes from 33. Today, I think it was 33. These are rough yardages. Right. 33, obviously, extra point. 42, 47, 53. Okay. And then same thing with uh, Eddie. Eddie nice. then comes in there and does the same thing. Cool. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, it's not earth shattering, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Three more questions. This one comes from Drew. From Drew. I have two Twitter questions. Okay. One, who is a real candidate to be a part of the 99 club? Nelson seems obvious, but if Buckner can continue to develop to an elite level, he has potential. Two, I'm sorry. Let's go there. Let's uh, start. Uh, you just want to start so there? Is 99, <laughs> is that referencing Madden? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming so, yeah. Okay. I think uh, Nelson got what ninety six. I think they both got around there. I mean, shit, it's got to be Nelson, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, Nelson. I I don't get how Nelson's not ninety nine. Is anyone ninety nine in the game? I mean, Aaron Donald better be. 99. Donald's ninety nine. Uh, Devontae Adams is ninety nine. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, I would say Nelson, and then potentially Buckner. Okay. Second part. It seems like there's been a quarterback who is on the previously on the Colts who has had a couple of big injuries. When he tweaked his foot in training camp, he retired. Oh, now we have Carson Wentz, who had a couple of seasons season-ending injuries under his belt, and he tweaks his foot. All of the bad thoughts return. Is this the reality of the Colts that they might have to endure again, or should I just talk this out with my therapist? Yeah. All seriousness, thanks so much for what you do. Been a listener since day one. Y- yes, true. Thank you for that. It means a lot. Wentz retiring, yeah, no. I, I, well, I shouldn't say yeah, no. I just probably jinx myself, even though I don't believe in jinxes. I'd be surprised. You know, um, Colts fans, two decades, very fortunate. This is life. This is life for like 26 Mm -hmm. NFL fan bases. So here you are. Join the club. (laughs) This next one comes from Brian. With Carson once injured, I'm looking forward to seeing what Eason can bring. Will this year show how great Frank, Frank Reich is? Eason was a drafted player by Ballard. They both signed off on the highly coveted draft pick. Will this prove Ballard is one of the best GMs in the NFL? Looking forward to the season. Hashtag build your own. Hum, um, you know, obviously curious on that sign-off injury discussion-wise. We talked about that earlier. Not sure specifically where this question is kind of going. I, you guys have heard me say it. It's always a big year. I don't look at this and think, Nelson's hurt, Wentz is hurt, the Colts get a pass. I mean, these aren't season-ending injuries. You lose sometimes pivotal pivotal players for stretches. Um, this is where you're at, and I mean we're, we still evaluate things critically. Second to last one from Logan: Do the Colts roll with Jacob Eason or sign a veteran quarterback now that Wentz is down indefinitely with the possible foot injury on the horizon? What does GM Kevin think? I say yes. Um, that is me. Um, but again, that's August fourth, not April fourth. We will see how things play out. Over the next, uh, really, three three weeks. All right, Kevin, this last one comes from Eric, and it's one that I've seen all across Twitter. Okay. What's the deal with Grand Park and Lucas Oil in terms of foot injuries when it comes to our quarterbacks? Four straight quarterback with a lower body injury. You had Luck with a calf and ankle, Brissett with a knee, Rivers with a toe, yeah. and now Wentz with a foot. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I got nothing for you there. I mean, literally nothing. The, the the turf looks great. I know Lucas Oil, there's been questions about that turf before and just some injuries and, you know, they had a concert on the turf or something at one point and the NFL didn't like it or I, I, I don't even know all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I, I, I'm not going to act like it's not weird, the fact that these two dudes have played, you know, thousands of NFL snaps and then this happens. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. I wish I could make sense of it a little bit more, but uh, – yeah, I got I I got nothing for you on that. I got yeah, you know, developmental anomaly and a high school injury. I, I just got to take it for what it's worth, I guess, and go from there. Yeah, and like like you said, what Frank with uh, Pat yesterday, they're the same, but kind of a little bit different. Right. I mean, they're they're having the same surgery, but the way the bones are going to grow back and the way that they were both kind of fractured happened differently. So. I think it's just a freak accident. Yeah, very freaky, um, to say the least. So um, thank you for everyone sending in those Twitter questions. Uh, if it works for you, Chris, I'm thinking maybe Monday. That's their next off day Yep. after Thursday. If that works, we'll come back with another pod recapping. Kind of a busy weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning practices for the Colts. So like I said, YouTube, we've got vid- video recaps every day from camp. Notebooks on line 107.5 The Fan, September 8th the Wednesday. Mark that in your calendars for beers with Bowen. Anything else, man? No, enjoy your off day, man. I will. And a <laughs> shout out to Edron James, Peyton Manning. Yes, the Hall absolutely. Of Fame absolutely. This, this weekend. So um, great, great. Obviously, uh, that's an understatement and what those two have meant for the organization and the city as well. So be enjoying those speeches. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. Talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.